Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Chapter 4, starting off at, we'll start off at verse 1. And now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. Verse 3. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought forth his, his offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel brought his firstborn of his flock and of the fatted. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain, his brothers, and his, and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Verse 6, So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and desires for you. But you shall rule over it. This is interesting. I love, I love the book of Genesis, first off. It's, it's the very first book in the Bible. Um, but this is an interesting interaction that we have here. Because this is the very first time we see God interacting with man after the fall and removal from the garden. This is the very first interaction we have after everything that happened. And what is the interaction about? It's about Cain not having rulership over his emotions. It's his inability to check himself and what's going on within his heart. It wasn't because he was doing great. It wasn't because there was this huge miracle going on. It's because someone could not get his emotions in check and God had to intervene. And he comes to Cain and he says, why are you angry? It's obvious on your face because it says that his countenance has fallen, has fallen. So that means that you can see it, evidence on his face that he was angry. You ever just been out and you can see it in someone's eyes like they're having a bad day? Or you ever been to a restaurant and you get a waitress or a waiter and it's evident that they have just not had a good day. Maybe the, the table before you was just really rude and, and tipped her not that good or tipped him not that good. And then you come in and they're just like not feeling it, and you can tell? Like, body language? Anybody? No? Yes? God comes to Cain and says, why are you angry? I can see it all over you that you're angry. The very first interaction God has with man after the fall is about this man's inability to just let go of something. He couldn't let go of what was happening in his life. Let's go ahead and pray and get into today's service. Father, we just thank you for today. Tonight, we just declare that you have free reign throughout this service to move up and down every single aisle, to touch, heal, and deliver, Lord. It's all about you. I declare that I would decrease so that you, the greater one on the inside of me, would increase, Father. I give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, tonight, I'm going to be talking about anger. Anger is a very common emotion. We've all gone through it. We, we, we've all lost it. We've all been ruled by it, maybe at some point in our life. We've all been moved by it at some point in our life. Someone in our life has maybe had a, an anger issue. We've all dealt with anger in some form or facet within our life. And it's okay. It's not a bad thing. 
We just need to understand that there's a time and a place for anger. And we also need to understand that if we don't deal with anger, then anger will deal with us. See, these are emotions that we have, and we just can't let them run rapid in our lives. We have to do the checks and the balances over what's going on within our heart. The same way that Cain, it says that he was so angry at what had happened between him and his brother. His brother wasn't boasting or showing off or saying, you know, dancing around him saying, Oh, God, God respects my, my offering and not yours. He wasn't taunting him. But that anger, that jealousy and that envy turned into anger in his life. He allowed what was going on over here to affect his position in life. It wasn't that God favored him more over his brother. It was about his position of heart had gotten messed up. And God took notice of it. See, he began to get jealous over God's relationship with his brother. And he began to be envious of their relationship. Not that he couldn't have a relationship, but that he was jealous of his brother's relationship. How many times have you ever been jealous over someone? You, you, you have a, a jealousy issue, or you get envious over someone else's, what they've been able to accomplish in life. Like, why did they get that promotion over me? I've been here longer. Or why is their life going all, all nice and, and, and mine's over here just falling apart? I don't understand. Maybe God loves them more than me. And you begin to create scenarios within your heart and in your mind that aren't even happening. And then before you know it, you're angry at the person who's done nothing to you. And then you walk into the room with them and you see them and you just, oh man, they're here again. What are they doing here? And they've done nothing to you. But you've created something within your heart. And now it's become a reality to you that you're angry at this person for no reason. They've done nothing to you. This jealousy and envy has created an anger on the inside of you that you just can't let go. It's interesting if you, uh, you look at today's society... If you've ever watched the news, looked on uh, social media, you would think that angry is the new happy. That people are just excited to be angry about something. Like, like this, I'm angry at this and I'm angry at that. And, and the more angry you are, the more woke you are. I don't know if you guys know what the term woke is. It means being aware of, of, of injustices within the world. That's what it, it basically means. It means woke. It's this new term that they're using in the world today. And it's called, well, I'm woke on this. And, and I'm woke about this political uh, struggle. Or, or this going on. Uh, black lives matter. Blue lives matter. All lives matter. All this stuff is going on. And people are angry about it. And they're excited to be angry about it. They're, they're boasting but I'm more angry with you. I'm, I'm more angrier than, than you are. I, I'm more woke than you are. And then when people look at the church, and we're the exact same way, I'm angry because this person took my seat. Now, I'm angry because that brother or sister didn't invite me out to lunch after church. I'm angry because the, the pastor didn't shake my hand after church. I'm angry because of this, or I'm angry because of that. And it looks no different. That's not how it should be. We should be the one constant thing within this world. 
That our lives should be full of faith and mercy and love. That you should be able to look at us no matter what is going on and say, man, that's a Christian right there. There's something different about that person because they just ain't angry anymore. They're, they're, they're always nice. But how many of you know that's not always the case? And in a perfect world, that we're, we're, we'll always be happy. We'll always be loving. We'll always be like Brother Ed. <laughs> but sometimes it just doesn't happen. Sometimes I, 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 like, don't catch me before I get my coffee in the morning. Hey, like, don't come for me. <laughs> like, I just need some coffee, and then, and, then, and then I'll be joyful with you. I'm just playing. I'm always happy now. Speaking by faith. But we see this going on, that people look to the church, and they don't see what they see in Jesus. They don't, it doesn't match up. I remember there was this article that I was reading, and it was about Gandhi. And, and this, this uh, interviewer was asking Gandhi questions. And he said, why do you dislike the church? Or why do you dislike Jesus Christ? And he said, I don't dislike, I, I love Jesus. He said, I, I agree with a lot of his teachings. It's his followers that I have issue with. You see, because before that, Gandhi, as a young boy, had got a track from a missionary. And Gandhi read the track and was very intrigued by it. And he talks about this story and he says, I went to the missionary's church and I walked up the doors. And as I was walking up the doors, I was greeted with a stiff hand. And the man at the door said, you can't come in here. And he said, why? He said, you're not dressed appropriately. So he turned Gandhi away. And now Gandhi goes his way and becomes who Gandhi is. How sad is it that the church that is supposed to be with open arms and open doors, all inclusive, had a stiff arm against a person whose culture was different and didn't match their dress code? That's not how we're supposed to be. See, that kind of makes me angry. And what's sad is that still happens today. How many times have, have, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many times have you ever felt judgment from another Christian? I'd be raising both my hands, both my feet, (laughs) everything. (laughs) All of it, man. (laughs) Pastor Rod says this, I've had plenty of times to to, to quit the church. Never quit on God, but I've had plenty of times to quit the church. Because there's no difference. The same way that they judge in the world, Christians are doing it to each other. We're doing it to each other, and it's sad. So if you looked at the church, does it look different than what we see in the world? Are they angry? We're not supposed to be fearful when we go out and to to minister to people. We're not supposed to be uh, walking in fear over situations that may come arise and and happen. I remember I was just out, we did uh, uh, this outreach in downtown Fulton called Free Hugs. So we go out there, and we stand on one of the corners. This is at 10 o'clock at night. So, like, there's people out at bars, and just everybody's out partying. And so uh, me and a couple of people, we go out. We just have signs that say, we love you, free hugs, you matter, and all this kind of stuff. So people come up, and they'll give us hugs and stuff like that. But this Friday, last Friday we went, and not that many people were out. And I was like, what the heck? It's kind of dead. I mean, I'm glad they're not at bars, but, I mean, I'm just, where are they at? It's usually packed. <laughs> 
And there wasn't that many people on the streets. And I began to think, like, why? What's going on? And then I realized, coronavirus. People are scared to go outside. And people would walk by and we'd say, hey, we love you, free hug. And they'd be like, oh, I don't want to get sick. <laughs> I'm like, but you go into a bar and you're going to drink some random cup that you think they washed properly. But anyway, that's on you. <laughs> but they wouldn't come and give us a hug because they thought of coronavirus. There's always going to be something to put you in a position of fear. There's always something, every two to four years, something else comes up. Like this, look at this. In 2004, it was the SARS virus. In 2008, it was the, uh, the Evalon virus, uh, Evalon flu. In 2010, it was the swine flu. 2012, it was the MERS uh, virus. In 2014, it was the Ebola virus. In 2016, it was the uh, Zinka virus. In 2018, the Ebola came back. And now it's 2020, we got coronavirus. Every two to four years, something new is coming up. How about this? We just get infected with the love of Christ. And people are so fearful that it it stops them from going out and interacting with somebody else. I just read this thing like, oh, 2,000 and 100 people have died from the virus. And that's horrible. And there's outrage and it's on every single news network that you're probably listening to. It's probably coming through your feed on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitter and on TikTok and on MySpace if you still got it. I'm not sure. But it's everywhere this coronavirus is talking about how this, this, this pandemic is coming to us. But you know what's not blasted over all media? is the 40 to 50 abortions that happen a year. 50, 50 million, sorry. The 40 to 50 million abortions that happen a year, it's quiet. That should make us angry. That's something to be angry about. See, we, we're living in this society that, that doesn't understand right from wrong anymore. And a lot of times it's bleeding into the church. And we're wondering, why? Why is it happening to me? Or or what's going on in my life that people don't want to associate with me? Because there's no difference. They can't see a difference between us here and them out there. I have this uh, soda can. And I got a a Diet Coke because I'm going to use it today in service. And I don't like Diet Coke. So I didn't mind buying something that I didn't like. I drink regular Coke. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, you know what? For my, uh, I'm going to use Diet Coke because I don't care about Diet Coke. Um, if you think you, it's good, then you're lying. I know you're lying. It's not good. It does not taste good. <laughs> but th- there, you can drink. I can open this right now and drink it, and it's completely fine. I can, I can drink it. Do you know that, that little burn you get in the back of your throat? You guys know what I'm talking about? That, that one that Pepsi doesn't have, and that's why I buy Coke, is because you want that. See, Pepsi is good when Coke isn't around. It's like that, all right, I guess I'll take it. But you can open this right now, and it'll be fine. It won't explode in your face or anything. Do you know what the chemical is that they put in it to, to, to get that fuzz? What is it, Bob? Do you know what it is, right? Carbon, carbon dioxide. 
And how does it work? See, carbon dioxide, they, the manufacturers, they take the carbon dioxide in the liquid water and they force it into this small area and it's about 1,200 a, a pounds per square inch. They're stuffing it down so it's so tight. And, and this is fine. I can open it all I want, but if I drop it and you shake it, Oh, man, you should feel it. It's super tight now. So what just happened? Did I, did I add something to the cup? I mean, does the can, did I add anything to it? No. What did I do? I just dispersed the liquid, which allowed the carbon dioxide to create bubbles. That's what it wants to do. It's doing what it's designed to do. Okay, here, uh, you open it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So if I were to like take it like this and open it this way, it could probably shoot that far. But I, if I gave this to you, you wouldn't want to open it. No one wants to open a dropped can. All the kids in the back are smiling. They want to see what happens. I should have brought my uh, spray stuff. I can give you guys those little ponchos and stuff. But See, I can open this and it'll get a very drastic difference if I hadn't dropped it. Why? No one wants to open a shooken can. Nobody wants to open a drop can. You see, in a lot of times, our life is like this. At any moment, we're two feet away from, or we're two moves away from being a shooken can rather than a regular can. God comes to Cain and he says, Cain, why are you angry? Why, why are you so upset? See, the ability to be angry and to sin was in him. Just as it's inside each and every one of us. We all are built with the ability to be angry and to lose our tempers. And we're fighting within ourselves to not do it. See, sometimes we wonder, why doesn't anybody want to be around me? Because they understand that you're a shook and can. And nobody wants to be around a shooken can. They can see it on your face, on your facial expressions, in your eyes. They can see that you're angry. You're, they have to walk around eggshells. On, there's something about you. You're upset about everything. You're just, I don't get it. Why are you so mad? Nobody wants to be a shooken can. And we wonder why people don't want to be around us because they can see that on you. That you're a ticking time bomb. At any moment, you're going to blow up. And they're going to be right there when it happens. I want to give you five ways to battle against anger. The first one is acknowledging that you have this anger issue. Some of us deal with it differently. Some of us, we don't have an anger issue at all. Some of us, it's right at the top of the surface and it's about to blow at any given time. Myself, it takes a lot to get me angry. It takes a lot to get me angry. I tell you, it takes a lot to get me angry. But when I'm there, I'm there. <laughs> and it feels good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> see, I, I understand my... See, like, um, when I get angry, my voice doesn't change. Like, if you talk to me normally, I'm very calm. Some people say I have a soothing voice. I'm very relaxing. When I talk, it doesn't get higher or, 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 or deeper. It stays the same. It just changes a little bit. I get them a little more stern. I was um, out with Alina 
and, and we were at this uh, place in L.A., and, and I was taking some trays back to this, uh, this counter, and I saw this guy, like, like, being really weird with her. And I got angry. And it's just like a big Russian dude, like, huge. And, like, without even thinking, I just walked, like, right up to his face. And I was like, what the heck are you doing, bro? <laughs> and she was like, what the heck's going on? She's like, I've never seen you angry. I was like, oh, I wasn't even angry. I was just being stern. I needed to let him know that he can't do that. And he's, like, all back and shook. And, like, and then his friend came over. And I didn't care that there was two of them. Like, I, I, I didn't care because I knew my boiling point. And, and I knew that I wasn't going to lose it. I was going to be very focused. See, I'm an angry person that's focused. Like, I don't go erratic. I don't lose my temper. I don't blow up. I just get chicken. <laughs> but Cain lost it. He couldn't control it. And it was so bad that it says that he killed his own brother. He lost his temper. He didn't acknowledge the problem that was on the inside of him. See, the first one is this. Acknowledge that you have it. And a lot of times, Christians, we don't want to acknowledge it. Because then that would say that we have a problem. And I don't want people to know I have a problem. I want everybody to think that I'm loving, I'm full of joy, and the joy of the Lord is my strength. And we know that's a lie because we can see it on your face. And the way that you treat people when you walk in the door... But being able to acknowledge that, yes, you know, I have an anger problem. i got to deal with it. I have to work on it. Ephesians 4, 26 says this, Be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. It's okay to be angry, people. It is okay. I love the scriptures. I love the, 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 the account where we see Jesus angry at the temple. I think that Jesus had a temper like mine. I used to like to think. That he was very focused. He understood what he wanted to do. He was angry about something. But it says that he saw these people who were selling and making, making deals inside the temple. And he said he got so angry, he went out and went shopping. I like that kind of anger. Mm-hmm. But it says that he went out and he bought, he got supplies and he sat down on the curb and made a whip. You know how long it takes to make a whip? Anybody got stuff to make a whip right now? No, so that means you got to go get the stuff. Jesus had to go out and find all the stuff that he needed to make a whip. Leather, he would get bone, he would get rock, he would get glass, he would get all these different pieces to make a good whip. And it's literally said that he sat down and made a whip and then proceeded to hit everybody out of the temple. Like he just went ham. He says he flipped tables and cast them out of the, 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 the temple. Like, that's amazing. I love that. I love that we get to see Jesus angry about what's going on in his house. That's what we need to be angry about. I need to be angry that, that 40 to 50 million babies are being aborted a year. and no, It's fine. No big deal. It's just a clump of sails. No, it's not. That's a life. That's a heartbeat. I need to get angry at these things. It's okay to be angry. But there's a time and a place for it. The second is this. Set your heart on forgiveness. To battle this anger issue, this this thing that we have in our heart, I need to be quick to forgive. Some of you know my story with things that have happened. There was this time in my life where I went through a really hard uh, uh, thing, a season in my life. 
And I remember I was so angry that I was dry. I was just driving. I had to get out of the house and I just had to drive. You ever feel like that? Am I the only one? Just, I got to get out. I just, and so I get in my car and I'm just driving. I'm driving to the beach. Like the one place that I know is relaxing and calming. And I'm driving to the beach and the further I get, the madder I get. Has anybody ever happened? No? You ever feel like, man, the further I'm getting from the situation that I'm leaving, the madder I get because I'm thinking about it more. I'm analyzing everything. And I'm just getting mad, like super mad. The further I get, so I stop the car. I'm on the highway, pulled over. And I heard in my spirit, not an audible voice, uh, lights didn't shine down on me. I just heard in my heart, hey, how would you like to practice what you preach? That's not what I want to hear. I want to hear like, I'm going to get them uh, brimstone and fire is going to fall on them and all this stuff is going to happen. And I hear a, 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 a task for myself in it. How would you like to practice what you preach? That is not what I wanted to hear. And then I, I, he said, you know, you, you have a ministry of teaching love and mercy and grace towards those who have hurt you. And he began to replay messages that I've taught in my head and, and about, about, you know, forgiving those who have hurt you and, and doing all these things and showing love and mercy and all this stuff is playing in my mind. I'm just like, okay, stop, turn it off. I don't want to see it anymore because I want to be angry. I feel I have a right to be angry. I'm justified in my angerness. But that's even the way you say it. And I had to make a decision. I can either keep on this path and stay angry or I can turn around and begin to walk out what I preach. See, it's easy to come up here and to give scriptures, but it's a lot harder to stand up here and live out what I'm teaching. It's not always fun. Forgiveness is not fun. Show me in scripture where it says you're going to have fun being forgiving people. There's a man by the name of Stephen. It says that he was being stoned. And as he's being stoned, he cries out and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's asking for forgiveness to God for them. And they're stoning him. That's hard. But the second one is to set your heart on forgiveness. Say, God, you know what? I know what they've done to me. I know what my family's done to me. I know what my job has done to me. With society, I know what's going on, but I'm going to set my heart on forgiveness. I'm going to move from this place of anger and rage, and I'm going to move towards a place of forgiveness. As hard as it may be, no matter how hard it is, I'm going to make that first step. The first step is, is the hardest. That first step towards forgiveness that first step towards, I know what you've done to me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose love in this situation. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to decide to love you through this hurt that I'm feeling in my heart, no matter what it is. It's Colossians 3.13 says, Bring with one, Bearing with one another for the forgiveness of one another. If anyone has a complaint against you, even as Christ has forgiven you, so you must also do. We have to learn how to give, forgive. We have to learn how to walk away from the hurt and let it go. 
Don't let it turn into something worse. We need to learn to let go of that anger. Number three is this. Create a covenant of forgiveness. Hmm. This is a good one. Create a covenant of forgiveness. How do I do that? How do I create a covenant of forgiveness? How you do that is in prayer. You know what, God? I, I don't know how I'm going to get... I don't know how I'm going to deal with this, but I'm going to take it to you and I'm going to leave it at your feet. I'm going to make a decision today and I'm going to make a declaration today that, God, I am going to forgive that person. I'm making a a, a verbal contract with you, God, a covenant saying, God, I'm going to do everything in my power. And in you, I'm going to forgive this person. See, forgiveness doesn't just happen. It isn't just, just, just happen in your life. You have to make decisions to forgive somebody. Like, I know in here there's people who are harboring unforgiveness, who are having a hard time forgiving maybe a loved one or a family member, or a job, a, a, a boss, an, a, an employee. There's something in your heart that you need to let go today. Then you need to be able to walk away from it and say, God, I'm going to make the change today. I'm going to let go of that hurt. I'm going to let go of that pain that they've caused me, that betrayal. I'm going to let it go. And today, I'm making a covenant. I'm done with it. I'm done with the anger. I'm done with the turmoil. I'm done with the pain in my heart. And I'm declaring today, Father, that I'm moving towards this life of forgiveness of showing grace and mercy the way that you show it towards me. See, before I got up here, Ed went through a declaration with you guys. Why is that important? See, Scripture says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You know what that means? It's more important for you to hear yourself say something than it is for you to hear somebody else say something. It does something when you speak out of your spirit words of life. Like, God, I thank you that my body is well, healthy, and strong. I thank you that I'm prosperous. I thank you that I have more than enough so that I can be a blessing the way that you've called me to be. Declare things out of Father, I'm going to forgive this person even though that they've done me wrong. When you begin to say something, things are released in your spirit and it gets to moving. But what Scripture says that we are a speaking spirit. So start speaking. Anger will keep you quiet. It'll hold you hostage. Start speaking forgiveness over somebody before it ever happens. Start speaking, hey, I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to forgive them. And it's not going to be easy because you're going to see them and the old emotions, the old feelings are going to come back. Yeah, it's going to happen. But you know what you do? You cast down every thought. Say, you know what? This thought, this, this anger that I have, it didn't have to, it didn't, maybe it didn't originate with my mind. I don't have to accept it. I'm taking on the mind of Christ. I'm gonna let, I let go of that already. I've let, I've let go of that pain. I've let go of that hurt. I've let go of that anger. And I'm moving towards forgiveness. The, third, the fourth one is this. Refuse to keep thinking about the offense. Humans, we, we love to just sit and meditate and how, how people have done us wrong. Or am I the only one? <laughs> like, we, our imaginations are so strong. 
Like we can, if, if we just, just let it go, and man, we can go through the whole scenario again and relive it, the emotions. We can smell it. We can just feel it, how they've hurt us or done us wrong, the things that we've done. But we have to stop. We can't do that. It does more harm to us than it does to them. I heard this statement. It says, the acid in the vessel does more to the vessel than it does to the pouring out of an object. The acid destroys that, that anger, that hurt, that pain that festers in your heart. Not release will do so much damage to you. Sometimes, most of the time, the person that you're mad at doesn't even know. They're not even thinking about it. And you're over here just pissed off. Like, why did they, they, they looked at me like this and they're living all nice and happy and I'm over here hurting, broken, messed up. You're, you're holding on to it and they've moved on. Because you're meditating on it. You're making that the biggest thing in your life. Second Colossians, Corinthians says this in 10. Cast down argu- arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We need to understand that not every thought originated in our mind. Scripture says to think on these things, things that are loving, things that are kind, things that are pure of heart. And I'm here to tell you that it's not always going to be easy. It's like any type of muscle, you have to develop it. It's not going to happen overnight. Me walking in forgiveness towards the person who wronged me didn't happen overnight. It was a constant development of forgiveness and love and mercy and showing mercy and grace. Every time I saw them, I had to actively make a decision to love them. I had to purposely, in my heart, forgive them every time I saw them. I forgive you. I didn't say it verbally. I said it once, and that was it. And every time I saw them, in my heart, I forgive them. Because if I didn't, I was going to get really mad. Oh, I forgive you. Oh, I forgive you. Dang, I forgive you. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever felt like that? You have to make the decision. Instead of allowing this pattern, this world, to run rapid in our heart, allow the love and mercy of grace to run rapid in your heart. Make the decision today that I'm going to move towards the position of grace. I'm going to leave you with this. Scripture says in Luke chapter 6, you can go ahead and turn there with me. Luke chapter 6. I'm going to start off in verse 27. But I say to you who hears, love your enemy, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, And pray for those who spitefully use you. Jump down to verse 32. But if you love those who love you, what credit do you have in that? For even sinners love those who love you. This is amazing. This is not an easy thing. See, we love being around people who celebrate us and, and encourage us and talk about how good we look and, oh, you got this going on and this. and Yeah, we love that. 
But what about the person who's misused you? Do you love that person? What about the person who's talked about you, who stabbed you in the back? Who spitefully used you? Who took credit for work that you did in the job? Maybe who snuck in and took your promotion? What about that person? That's where this love your enemies and do the good to those who have hurt you. This is hard. This is, this is a beautiful scripture, but it's a hard thing to walk out. See, it's easy to come in here Sunday and Wednesday and clap and say, God, yes, it's awesome. But what happens when you leave this place and you go to your day-to-day job and you live your life, you deal with the same people who, who just are hard to deal with, it's hard to walk this out. It takes time. It's not always fun. But there's benefits to letting go. There's joy that is unspeakable once you get on the other side of letting go of that hurt, of letting go of that pain. It's not easy. But know what's amazing? The scripture says that he never leaves us. He never leaves us alone. He says that he's given us a comforter and a guide who, who guides our steps, who helps us through times of need. There's been many times at night where I'm just not feeling it, not, not doing good in, in my heart and and God just come in and arrest me where I'm at. And I can just feel that like love pour over your heart. You ever like just felt lonely, felt alone, and then you realize like I'm not alone because God is with me no matter what is going on? Like, like he was with me. I was so excited when I was up here. And yeah, God's with me. But I forgot that when I'm down here, he says he's still with me. And because the situation gets hard on now, I feel like I'm alone, but I'm not. But this is a time of pushing towards forgiveness. I need to allow God to move through the pain to give glory to his name through it. I need to let go of things today. We all need to let go of some things. This 2020, let's not move into this year with the same baggage and hurt we had from last year. Let's move towards something new in God. Amen? Go ahead and close your eyes and bow your heads. If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.